Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to this edition of Phone Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel, and I've got a slightly different episode for you this week. I recently sat down with photographers David Stowe and Darren Jew, both very good wildlife photographers and general photographers as well. They can pretty much tackle anything. So the, it was done as a video as a uh, for the coming upcoming Click Awards. David gives a lot of um, really good tips and information about uh, wildlife photography and particularly bird photography, which he's absolutely brilliant at. So in this episode, I've basically, basically just taken the audio content from the video and put it into a podcast format so people can listen to it as a podcast. So the audio quality is not as great as our normal studio recorded stuff. So it was done on one of those video teleconferencing um, sites. So yeah, but it still worked pretty well. We could have the three, three of us could have the conversation. It turned out in the end pretty well anyway. So, but like I said, this was done as a part of a video for the Canon Collective for the Click Awards, which um, you've heard us talk a fair bit about over the last few weeks. But so settle down and listen to this week's episode of Photomission Focus with uh, David Stowe, Darren Jew and myself and we're talking about wildlife and bird photography. Enjoy. Hi Canon Collective, welcome to this click feature. With this click feature I've got photographer David Stowe and I've also got photographer Darren Jew. David, firstly, how are you going? Very well, thanks mate. How are you? Very good. Darren, how are you going? I'm excellent too. I'm really looking forward to um, having a chance to hear what David's got to say about bird photography because it's something I really need to improve. Thank you for taking the time to join us and hopefully we're going to pick your brain and get a little bit of a bit of your knowledge because uh, you take some amazing bird pictures and we've got a lot of people in the collective who love their wildlife and particularly birds and with the click awards coming up there's a category there basically around wildlife and animals so Firstly, you could just give us a little bit of a background about you, you and your photography, and then we might talk briefly about your gear as well. Yeah, so I've been a professional photographer for oh, over 25 years now. I actually started in weddings and portraits, and that's sort of still my main bread and butter. But I probably, oh, about 2000, 2002, something like that, got into bird photography and a bit more wildlife and um yeah, it's uh, been a passion that I've then turned into a, a bit of a business with um, Flock Wildlife Tours running workshops and tours and giving sort of personal instruction on how to take better bird photos. So, David, in the Click Awards, there's actually two streams. There's actually a process stream and there's an edited stream. How much do you do with your images? How much of it's processed and how much do you have to do editing on your actual image? Yeah, it, it depends on the image itself and, and probably also the competition I'm entering. One of the things when you're shooting and, and looking for images to enter into an awards is you're choosing an image, obviously, that fits the criteria. So, you know, making sure that you're not trying to mislead people and over-edit something and enter it into the, you know, the non-edited, you know, process sort of uh, category. I think that's that's the most important thing. So... Yeah, I, I try not to do too much for that reason because generally if it's going to enter in a competition, most wildlife photography competitions like Australian Geographic and Natural History Museum, all those things, they, they don't allow 
any substantial, you know, modification to the image beyond, you know, tonal adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, keeping it as, as natural in camera as possible as you can is great. For my own personal work, yeah, there's definitely times when I'll, you know, might clone out the odd thing here or there. And I personally don't think there's any shame in that. It's just, again, about transparency. You know, it's about following the rules and not, not lying about it, you know, just being upfront about how you get stuff. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like you celebrating both. You know, that's the thing. It's um, yeah. still involved in in both areas. And as as you said, David, it's that idea that people know what they're looking at. That's the that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing more saddening, I think, than people trying to. Uh, you know, I've seen it on Facebook groups. You know, there's photo of a of an owl and people are saying oh this serendipitous moment where the owl land on this perch and it's like oh that's elmo from the desert park at alice springs you know? <laughs> <laughs> so th there's no point trying to mislead people because typically you know especially bird photography communities relatively small i suppose and you know people know this sort of stuff and you'll you'll get caught out and it's i think it's really sad you know things like the natural history museum nature photographer of the year you know that has been shamed by a number of times by people you know using stuffed <laughs> anteaters in winning images and things like that and and just going to any lengths to to win a competition not just to get the shot but just to win a competition and, and yeah i just find that really sad because it's gonna absolutely ruin your reputation uh, first and foremost but I, it's also something you've got to live with you know and i just couldn't do that yeah, uh, and and the, Darren, you can probably talk about the ethical framework which sits within the Click Awards around the, the wildlife side of it. For sure, yeah, we've we've decided to go with the um, two versions um, of the let's call it animals and plants categories. There's the wildlife and nature, which has got an ethical framework based around appropriate, respectful practices when you're shooting. Um, it's all codified in the terms and conditions what you what you can and can't do, and I think that that kind of holds that nature and wildlife category in to the same spirit as some of the bigger competitions. And that involves single capture, limited processing. Um, but then we do have the plants and animals category as well, which is designed for the, the sorts of things that David just mentioned, a, a bird in a bird show, no problem at all. A captive animal that's been trained, um, you might wanna edit out the fence out of the background. No problem, you can put in plants and animals and it's got a home there, which it will be celebrated for what it is. You know, the, the end result is we're trying to celebrate the final image in whatever category we're, we're judging. And so, yeah, we, we've created these two, two spaces for, for the two different types of photography. I think the important thing to remember too, Darren, as you know, is even within those two frameworks, the ethical considerations are equally as important you know whether it's whether you've edited the photo whether it's captive or whatever you still got to look after the subject and and not you know do anything untoward you know especially like you know making a bird fly like chasing a bird till it just keeps flying just to get that flight shot that sort of stuff is just unacceptable you know clearing away foliage in front of a bird's nest is absolutely unacceptable unacceptable you know like there's most competitions don't allow nest photography for that reason it, it's not that it's not possible to get a good photo of a bird's nest without intruding on the bird. But unfortunately, a lot of people just take it too far and they do. You know, I was reading an article last night, actually a friend sent about bird photography in another country where it's 
rife for people just absolutely pruning the hell out of everything around a nest so they can get this beautiful clear photo and of course the nest fails but they don't care because they've got their photo and they're just only concerned with the image and that's the big thing with wildlife photography is you can't you, you can't get into wildlife photography or you shouldn't get into wildlife photography if you're only after the image. Mm. You know, it should be a celebration of the animals, a celebration of the birds. It should be, you know, trying to use your imagery to further conservation efforts, all that sort of thing. It shouldn't be just to get the photo at any cost, you know. And I, I think that's all good. That's really good stuff for us all to think about how we go about our photography. And like I said, and, and, um, and like I said, but there is that, there is that opportunity within the Click Awards for people to be able to have that latitude, like Darren said. So if you're just practising, sometimes for people going to a bird sanctuary or some other place, mm. is a good point for them to start practising their photography Absolutely. so they get them on their way. Yep. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. so David, just wondering how, we've, we've obviously out in the wild it's always difficult, but when you kind of working at your composition, um, how do you go about it? Do you have a preconceived how, where, how you want to get a particular bird, where you want it in the frame, those types of things? Do you consider that or is it some other process? Yeah. No, composition is super important. And I think that's often what people forget in bird photography is people are so focused on getting close and getting tight and just getting the bird in the middle of the frame. And, and certainly in the past, you know, with a lot of cameras where, you know, your, your centre focus point is the fastest and people just, that's all they see is they're just getting it, getting the bird sharp and tight. But yeah, a, a great bird wildlife image has the same compositional elements as any photography, you know, and I think that's something that you've just got to remember. Like, don't just fill the frame with a little bird. Think about where it's looking, you know, give the bird space to look into or to fly into, you know, just as you would a person, you know, you're not going to have uh, a person looking here and the edge of the frame's here and the edge of the frame's over here. You know, you're always going to have them looking towards the space. So that's that's probably my big thing would be, yeah, just still look at the composition of the image and also the background. You know, a lot of times, again, we're just so focused on this tiny little bird and a telephoto lens and you, and you think, oh, the background's really out of focus already. But when you get it home on the computer, you realise even though it's out of focus, you've still got these tonal, you know, changes or colour changes in the background that, really distract you and lead your eye into the background. So, you know, positioning yourself a step to the left or a step to the right to not have a branch coming out behind it or to not have that the sky patch behind the bird and you're just having a nice solid green background or whatever, you know, those sort of elements I think are really important to remember as well. Yep, yeah, yeah. that's good advice. And I think the other thing which kind of leads me into the next point, which is one of the criteria for judging is storytelling. And some of the points you've touched on your composition, they do play into storytelling. So it just gives your kind of interpretation of how you tell a story with an image. Yeah, I think, as you say, it starts with a composition in just a, a visual story of letting your eye wander around the frame and, or leading the viewer's eye around the correct part of the frame that you want, it, want them to go to. But then if you can have the subject doing something it's going to be much more interesting than just sitting on a stick, you know? So telling a part of the story of, you know, the action, uh, feeding, hunting, you know, flying, whatever I think is, is much more interesting than just a static sort of shot, but also not relying on, you know, a caption to tell the story. You know, you've got to tell the story visually, you know, we see that a bit in, in competitions where they allow captions and people are telling you about something that happened that's not actually in the frame. And it's like, well, 
Well, it doesn't matter, you know, if yeah. you didn't capture it, it actually, it actually is detrimental to the image because all you can do now is go, oh, what, but what about that thing you mentioned that I can't see? Um, so, yeah, yeah, we've, um, we've, everybody when they enter the Click Awards um, has the opportunity to put it to put a description in there, and it's only a twenty-five word one, and we've limited it really just to. It's really to help the judges if there is if there is something in the picture that they don't they haven't quite understood or but uh, yeah let, uh, we've limited it to twenty five words so it can be quite succinct and um, and just get to the point so yeah yeah that's right don't don't try and talk up your own image you know no. I've I've seen captions in competitions where the the entrant is basically given like a a judge's description of you know how your eyes led here and it's like yeah. it's not the place for the caption or you know yeah. again telling you stuff that isn't there that you know you should have captured in the image so yeah yeah usually what happens just so everybody knows i guess what most really experienced reviewers and and judges will do is they will obviously look at the image first and only rely on the description if they have to and and if they get the information they need from there well well and good but um yeah it's not often that people would would have their minds changed by a, a description for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Dave, if I just kind of pick your brains a little bit around back to, I suppose, helping the collective get better pictures, do you spend much time studying your subjects' behaviours before you go out to, to understand how they might react? Yeah, absolutely. I think knowing uh, things like knowing a bird's habitat and when they're active, you know, uh, those sort of things can really help you to get a better photo so going back to your storytelling point i think if if you have a photo of a bird in an environment that's maybe not its typical environment that looks a bit weird you know it might be on this perfect perch but if it's not descriptive of that bird's natural habitat then i think you've lost the opportunity to tell that part of the story so yeah knowing knowing about the subject definitely helps you know it just it makes you it makes it easy to find you know, it um, narrows down your search. If you're searching for a particular species, you're not searching the wrong place. Um, so, yeah. So, and, and again, a lot of that information is readily available if people want to go out and seek it. I imagine there's resources out there that people can study up on if, they, if there's some bird they particularly want to try and capture just to give themselves a bit more, I suppose, chance of actually maybe nailing the shot as well. Yeah, look, most, most bird photographers would be, you know, sort of have a a field guide, I've got a bookshelf of them here full of them, but, you know, things like Australian Bird Guide, which is, you know, just a, a field guide, but it has yeah. just obviously for starters, people often don't know what they're looking at, you know, so getting the species correct, um, that's, you know, the very starting point is, you know, photographing what you think is a bin chicken, but realising that it's, you know, an Australian white ibis. Um, yes. Those sort of little things just help you in your knowledge and it's it's good fun to read through the, the guide and, you um, yeah, learn more about things and just see all the, the pictures and help you to identify things before you've even seen them, you know. Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a good, you know, kind of avenue for people to go down. David, a lot of people, like I said, in the collective love their kind of bird photography, but what what are you currently shooting with? I see, I see a pretty impressive piece of kit behind you there. Yeah, I've got this tiny little 500mm f4. Um, that's my main main lens. I've also shoot with a 100 to 400, but um, yeah, the 500 f4 with a 1.4 converter is probably the the go-to lens. Uh, with birds, you really can never have enough focal length. 
Um, nah. yeah, <laughs> they're always, especially smaller birds, you know, it's okay when you're photographing pelicans or, or something that's very tame, like, you know, silver gulls or pigeons or something like that. But for a lot of small birds in Australia that, yeah, you really need a, a, at least sort of four or 500 mil. So, um, and yeah. then the body wise, I'm currently shooting on an R5. So I went from a 1DX Mark II to an R5 when they come out and um, yeah, haven't regretted it for a second. It's been a, a brilliant camera. Yeah, so you're really enjoying the, the eye tracking capability of animals? Uh, it is amazing, you know, like even photographing an ibis, which has got a, you know, a small black eye and a black head from a decent distance, the eye tracking will still grab the eye of an ibis and it's just yeah, it is absolutely amazing. It, it's definitely improved my hit rate for birds, you know, and birds in flight and just keeping the, the, the tracking on it is, is amazing. Um, it also just the ability to have the focus points right to the edge of the frame is also another massive advantage from, you know, previous cameras. I mean, the 1DX Mark II was no slouch, that's for sure. And um, I've got plenty of amazing shots with that camera. But, yeah, just being able to compose a bit differently and even you know, with the flip out screen, being able to just lay the camera on the ground and flip the screen out and use the eye detect focus so that you're not having to toggle your joystick to get your focus point on the bird quickly, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it, it really has made uh, bird photography particularly a lot easier for, for most people. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Now, David, have you had much experience around awards? Have you entered many awards? Yeah, I have. I um. Oh, a bit of um, inspiration from uh, Mr. Jew over here. He um, uh, was very in, inspirational to me with the ALPP and probably, oh, it was probably only about 10 years, uh, nine years ago or so, I, I rejoined the ALPP after a big absence and, um, yeah, with the, the aim of trying to enter the awards and things. And it was a really massive boost to my photography and to my creativity and inspiration you know like just seeing all these amazing photographers take great photos and being a part of the awards and and pushing yourself you know using that opportunity to go okay well how can I get a better photo you know and you're looking at all this great work and going well how can I how can I do that how can I get better um how can I win you know there's the definitely the, the competitive nature in there which is um is great and um yeah so I, I i love the awards process it's definitely improved my photography a lot that, that, well, that's great news because i mean that's one of the things for the collective that we've we've got this group of nearly uh, over nineteen thousand passionate photographers around australia that canon have put this group together over a period of years and so this award is really for them and the idea is basically with the report card they'll get so you could see each year that you entered obviously you were always hoping to better your your scores on your pictures yeah definitely awards that give you feedback are really important like they're really really helpful like the opp like the click awards having your you know your scorecard given back to you will be great and I, I think the thing to remember though is don't be disheartened you know there's always going to be someone better than you you know i'm still learning i'm still got a lot of things i can do better and don't get down about it if you, you know, maybe don't get the score you wanted or if you disagree with the judges, you know, that's another thing. We're, we're all different. We've all got different eyes and different ways of seeing. And, um, you know, photography, as you know, is so subjective and, and what is a gold award to someone is a, a nothing to someone else, you know. 
that's a good thing about the clicker boards being that each image is seen by three individual um, reviewers or judges. Yep. So you're getting a kind of a aggregation of those scores put together. So it's going to give people a, a pretty good indication of where they're at with their photography, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, David, look, one of the things, like I said, we're hoping to do with the Clicker Boards as well is we're taking people on a bit of an educational journey to try and help them improve their... Because like you said, that first year they might put some bird pictures in and not score too high. David, what are the areas which the judge is going to be looking for is innovation. And I know it's kind of a bit of a challenge with wildlife because they are wild and, and you can't, you know, tell them where to sit. But how do you go about trying to get that shot that no one else has got? How do you kind of plan that or what do you do to try and create that shot? Yeah, it, look, it's it's getting harder, I suppose, to get shots that haven't been done in a, in a lot of ways. And I think often it will come down to techniques in and composition and you know looking at the subject a different way you know treating it a different way in post-production for example um you know different lighting scenarios you know at the moment you know like high key is really cool um but also really low key backlit small on the frame is also you know bit in as well so i think just trying like again like any photography i think that the key is with wildlife photography is treat it like any other discipline of photography. You've, you want to be creative. It's not just, you know, photographing something, like I said, on a stick. It's, it's trying to get the light different or get your composition different, get the setting different, you know. It's, um, yeah, just trying so that, to... That could be, be using things like elevation or um, changing your angle, getting down super, super low, those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, any bird that's naturally on the ground, you know, you naturally want to be at eye level with your subjects. So if you're shooting shorebirds, you know, gulls, terns, et cetera, at the beach and sand spits and things, you know, yes, you'll always try and get low to get that really nice shallow depth of field effect because your background can suddenly be 100 metres away. Um, so it gets you this really nice depth to the image, but it's also a much more intimate perspective. You know, if you just walk up to something that's on the ground and shoot down at it, not only is your depth of field, you know, the background's right behind the bird so that you're not getting any separation from the background, but it's also just, you know, you're just standing there. And that goes with any genre of photography. You know, if you just walk up, shoot with a standard lens at eye height, it's always going to look the same as anyone else. You know, whereas if you can climb a tree or you know shoot up off, off the ground or whatever it's always going to be more interesting so and if you don't have a really long lens you know like not not everyone's got a, a 500 or 600 mil lens you know look for those images where the bird is smaller in the frame and you have a more bird and landscape sort of image and they can often be just as impactful if not more than again the, the tight portrait so you know yeah don't think you've got to have a massive lens Certainly the storytelling aspects of those pictures where uh, you've got a small animal in its habitat is um, yeah. that's where the, the strength of that's going to come in. So your, your points, if you're looking at how, you know, your, your image scores in those six judging criteria, remember that, you know, a, a really tight, perfect portrait of a, a wren is going to do okay in subject, but it might not do so well in storytelling. Whereas if you've got a small wren on a on an angled branch 
you're going to have a nice composition and you're going to have some storytelling about the sort of habitat that that animal lives in. So that's where the points go up in that area. So it's looking at how um, you can use almost use the judging criteria as a bit of a guide to, to making sure that if you can get a good result in each of those criteria, you're going to do well overall for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We're probably getting close to um, kind of wrapping up. I'm just wondering, have you got a piece of advice for someone who's maybe who's become quite passionate about shooting birds, been out there with their maybe maybe they've just got their kit lens and their basic cannon body and they're kind of struggling? Is there anything you can kind of encourage them or anything you could say to them to or point them in a direction that they could try and build their, I suppose, their skill set? Yeah, I think like you guys were saying before, you know, Darren was saying with the, the captive birds and you know. Uh, Go, go to the zoo, go to a, a free flight bird show, you know, plenty around the country where you can have that practice of, of something, you know, flying in, which you just won't normally get, you know, like at Alice Springs Desert Park, for example, they fly raptors and you've got a hobby zooming in at 100 mile an hour. And it's an incredible experience just to have these raptors like that flying around you. But also it's, it's a terribly difficult technical challenge to try and get them sharp. Uh, yep. even though they're captive you know um so yeah bird flight shows are great for honing your flight skills yeah again just get out there even photographing your your pets your dogs you know will help you to think about just what it looks like when the subject's turning to this way or that way and getting your angle right and that sort of thing so yeah just work within your capabilities of, of the camera you've got too you know don't just lust after a big lens all the time just go okay well how can i get closer how can i find subjects that are a bit more approachable and then to slowly build up your skill set basically yeah and i think you get a bigger lens (laughs) (laughs) and i think you mentioned it um at the beginning about saying that we're still learning as well so even someone of your great depth of experience you're still learning stuff uh, i imagine every time you go out Absolutely. There's always things to learn, whether it's about your subjects, about the gear. I mean, like even just, you know, technical things like a new camera system, you know, is something new to learn. There's always new software, you know, Lightroom's always updating, you know, DxO, Topaz, all these new software programs to get better raw conversions and things. Yeah, it just doesn't stop, you know. Um, it's it's relentless, actually. I'm getting <laughs> tired, tired, you know. <laughs> so, Darren, Darren, have you got anything you want to add to uh, just the close? Uh, yeah, I think that was an awesome discussion. Thanks, uh, David. I uh, really enjoyed it. Got a few tips out of it there myself. And I'm sure everybody's going to love hearing um, some of the insights into how, how to get better bird pictures for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Darren. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks again, David. And thanks again, Darren, for joining us in this click feature. And I uh, hope people get out there and jump in with their images. Owns on the 15th of November. So we're looking forward to seeing, and I'm sure David will be looking forward to see what type of wildlife pictures, bird yeah, pictures sure. in particular, the collective can come up with. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. Thank thanks. you very much. Thanks, guys. I hope you liked that episode. It was a great episode and go and check out David's um, wildlife and particularly his bird photography. It's absolutely stunning. I'll put some links in the show notes so you can basically jump over and have a look at some of his stuff. Thank you to David and to Darren for both 
giving us your time and Darren actually put the video together, which is fantastic, which I took this audio off of. So thanks, Darren, for doing that. That's fantastic. Until next time, I'm Steve Finkel for Fun and Mission Focus. Enjoy your photography and we'll talk again soon. See ya. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone. Thank you.